Hey, what's up, young adults? Thanks for joining us. Hey, we are excited to be going through the Old Testament and looking at the narrative of the Bible through the Old Testament and saying, what does God have to say uh, with his first couple books? Um, I'm so excited. Um, I think that God has a lot packed in here. Um, when I was in college, I, uh, I loved writing papers as opposed to taking tests. I'd always not do so great on tests, but love taking pa doing papers because I could spend as much time on a paper as I wanted to. And I remember this one paper uh, that I wrote um, on, in, in a comparative government class uh, about the Chinese government. Um, and I did a bunch of research. It was one of those that I put it off late and did a bunch of research late at night and woke up in the, in the morning and did some more research and wrote and then printed it off and gave it to my professor. And I remember her handing it back to me and saying, hey, you're missing one thing. You have a lot of information, but you're missing one thing, and that's a thesis statement. This statement that encapsulates what this entire paper is about. And I remember looking at the paper and saying, there's a lot here, but nothing that says, this is what's most important. This is the theme that runs through the entire paper that makes it all make sense. And I think we see that in the Bible. We have a thesis statement in the first couple of pages, in the first couple of chapters, that God tells us what the whole Bible is about. It's in Genesis chapter 3, if you want to turn there. Um, and what we see in the first couple chapters of Genesis is God is creating. Into the void, he's speaking things into existence. Um, he's speaking the earth and all living things into existence. Um, and we see Adam and Eve are planted in the garden and they're living and working there and God tells them to be fruitful and multiply but he gives them one rule, one law and says, hey, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it doesn't take long. We don't know how long it was but in the book it doesn't seem like very long that they're operating in the garden but uh, the serpent comes and the serpent is uh, an agent of or is a picture of Satan of our enemy and this the, the enemy comes and tells Eve hey did God really say that you shouldn't eat of it or did he just say that if you eat of it you'll be like him and in that Satan starts to just whisper little lies about what God said and we see that God uh, that Satan does that even now that he whispers lies that are similar to what God had to say but he questions God's authority and brings that into play so Eve starts to question it and saying does God really just not want me to be like him? So she goes to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and she eats of it and gives some to her husband as well. And what we see in Genesis 3 is God comes and finds them and he's looking for them and they're hidden. And God knew where they were, but he comes in and says, hey, where are you? He wants to know where his people are. And Adam and Eve come out and God kind of gives them what life is going to look like now, now that sin has entered into the world. And he starts with talking to the serpent, talking to his enemy, talking to Satan. But eventually he gives uh, Adam and Eve, the man and woman, what it looks like to live in this new broken world. That he tells them it's going to look like the man working for everything that he has and things being really hard. Um, and the woman that she'll have tension between her and her husband and that childbirth will hurt really bad. Um, that there's some really practical things that we see uh, happens because of sin and because of the fall. Um, but then he kind of turns his attention to begin with to the serpent, to Satan, and he says, this is what you're going to deal with. And in verse 14, he turns to him and says, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. 
And in verse 15, and this is where you see kind of the thesis statement of the entire Bible for the first time. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. That just means hostility or opposition between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Another version says, he shall crush your head. He's talking to the serpent that the offspring of Eve will crush his head and you shall bruise his heel. What's he saying? He's saying that your offspring to Eve, your offspring is eventually going to be Jesus. That one of the themes that we see running through the Bible is that a descendant will be Christ. That God has a redemptive plan in this whole time and it's encapsulated in the second half of verse 15. That his plan is for Jesus to come, the offspring of Jesus to come, and he'll have victory over Satan, but it will come at a cost. And why is that important? Why is it that we even need to see Satan uh, be defeated? Why we need to see Jesus and God have victory over Satan? Uh, When the curse came in, when sin came into the world, it, it, it entered in brokenness. And I think we see pictures of that now, and we see the effects of that all over the place. Disease, hurt, pain, abuse, we see that all over the place, but we see it in our own personal lives too. You might have a problem with lying. You might have a problem um, overindulging. You might have an addiction. You might have uh, a past that you're not proud of. You might have selfishness and pride. That is caused by the curse. That's caused by sin in our lives. And I think a lot of times we can chalk it up to like, ah, I just have this problem every once in a while. Well, I just have the tendency when I get in the right situation to, to say a little bit more than I should or to let my emotions get the best of me. But in reality, it's not just this thing that we have to learn to deal with. Uh, The Bible talks about how sin in full bloom gives birth to death. And that's what you see in Genesis. Later on, uh, God tells them what's going to have to happen because of their sin. And an animal had to to die to cover them. That they learned that they were naked, that their innocence was gone. But God covered them with the, the skin of something that had died so that they could have life again, so that they could be uh, covered. And we see that theme all throughout the Old Testament that something had to give up its life for us to have a covering. And it's not just that on a small scale that God wants us to have victory over sin and over Satan and over death in our life, that he doesn't want you to live in bondage, whether that's emotional, physical, spiritual. He doesn't want us to live in bondage. He wants us to live in freedom. So Satan needs defeat, that Jesus has to have victory over him for us to have any amount of hope. But it comes at a cost. Um, Repairing brokenness isn't free. I I remember when I was a kid, uh, I was in a hardware store with my dad, and uh, there was this like decorative glass bottle that was like on a shelf or hanging somewhere. And I remember like my dad was looking at something and I was just kind of looking at this glass bottle and I remember touching it and I remember it like falling over and falling onto the ground and it shattering. Now my dad was at one end of the aisle, I was at the other and my first thought was I need to run. Like I just ran around to the next aisle and hid somewhere. Um, But shortly after it didn't take long for my my dad to come find me and say hey you need to come back over here we're going to take care of this. Um, And we started cleaning it up uh, and and a a person came over that worked at the store and was cleaning it up and and I remember my dad really clearly telling me hey um, we're going to pay for whatever this costs. And I remember thinking, I didn't buy it. It wasn't mine. I don't think this is right. I wanted to run from it. But I remember him telling me, hey, someone has to pay for the price of this thing that's broken. And if we don't pay for it, 
then the hardware store owner is going to have to take the loss of what you broke. That in our brokenness, someone has to pay the price. That before Christ came, we had to pay the price of an animal. Something had to be sacrificed for us to have our brokenness fixed within us, for us to have any kind of relationship with God. But when Jesus Christ came, he offered forgiveness, he offered life with God, but he offered it at a price that God had to give his own son, Jesus Christ, so that we could have a relationship with him. It wasn't free. It's free to us, but it came at a great cost to God. And I think a lot of times we try. We get so uh, caught up in what we've done that I, I don't know about you, but for me, I end up saying, man, I've been really angry lately, so I, I want to do what it takes to make it right. So I double down and I say, I'm going to do everything it takes to not be angry anymore. And I do so much. I try to do so much. And maybe it lasts a couple days. Maybe it lasts a week. Maybe it lasts a month. But my brokenness pops up somewhere. that it can't be fixed by me. It can't be fixed by you. It has to be fixed by Christ. And that's the beauty of what he says here. He says that he tells Eve, your offspring, that he's talking about God. He's talking about Jesus. That he doesn't say, hey, um, it'll be mostly God, but partially Jared. Like I think about the hitch um, scene where he, he talks about kissing and he says, hey, you go 90, I go 10. Um, and he's not just saying, hey, you go 90, or I'll go 90 being God, you go 10, and we'll meet in the middle. And as long as you show up with your 10, I'll do the, the, the lion's share. He says, hey, it's fully God. It says here that God, that Jesus will crush the head of Satan. Not me. I don't have any hand in it. Now, as a, as a member of God's family, I fight. I do everything I can to, to ward off Satan. But it's Christ who did the work to finally end Satan. And the beauty of it is it's not a partial victory. It's not God saying, hey, I'll, I'll end you today, but tomorrow we'll step up and be in battle again. That when God on the cross died for my sin and yours, it's done, completed, and finished. And there's nothing more that I can do to take away that threat of death in my life. Now, the Bible talks about how um, it's easy to start living like the old and not putting on the new again. But we have to remember to do that every day, understanding that we take off the old and we put on the new because of what Christ has done in us. We don't live like Satan has power anymore because of Christ. And that is the story that we read here, that God will have victory over Satan, but it comes at a cost. And we read it through every chapter and every book in the Bible that God leads up to this story of Christ that he will come back again and that he will make all things right. That sometimes we live with the effects of what Satan's done. That we live in the effects of a broken world and we see it. But we as believers have to live with the hope that Christ is coming back again. He'll make all things right and we'll be with him forever. So if things aren't perfect, it's okay. But we live and strive for a, a world and a life to bring heaven to earth and love people how God loved them and redeem people that maybe weren't redeemable and forgivable and lovable. But because Christ did that for us, we get to love people. And maybe if you're watching this and you've never stopped trying to do it yourself, man, can you just put your faith and hope and trust in Christ to say, it's you, it's not me. It's God 100% all the way. I think in this verse we see part of the heart of God. That the heart of God 
is to see people that are far from him be close to him. That the heart of God is to not see people live in bondage, but to live in freedom and hope of who he is in life in Christ. Hey, thanks for joining us. I hope you have a great week.